Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Eric Mann. On this week's episode, we will be discussing football signing day. What will Michigan's 2020 class look like? We'll talk hoops as Michigan suddenly finds itself in the middle of a losing streak. And don't forget about the Citrus Bowl. Michigan certainly hasn't, and we'll share what some of the Wolverines said about their matchup with Alabama. Guys, how's it going? It's good. It's going well. You know that fantasy uh, football league, the MI Fantasy Football League that I created that you guys didn't want to join this year? Correct. Which you uh, like. I will be playing for the championship this week. I would have been shocked by that if I didn't talk to one of our coworkers who is in the competition after last week's podcast because it dawned on me that you hadn't mentioned it all season. So I just assumed you were doing terribly, and that's why you didn't want to discuss it. So I commend you. You've been humble. You were being humble throughout the (laughs) year. Well, until today. Until today. Well, you know, it's a championship. But, yeah, no, it's like, no, he's actually doing really well. So are you going to bring it up next week, whether or not you win or not? Oh, if I win, that's pretty much going to be the only thing we're going to talk about. But if you lose, are we still going to hear about it? Actually, no, I will not be with you guys next week. Oh, Oh, yeah. What a shame. What a shame. Maybe I'll phone in just to gloat a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we have that technology. Uh, (laughs) Signing day is tomorrow for football. That's the the, the first day, Wednesday, the 18th of December. The early signing period goes into Friday. Runs through Friday. Most most players Um, will be signing tomorrow on Wednesday. So there's no signing of a Stars event, correct? There's now been... There was none last years, year. The first he did, the first two years, he has okay. done since. Okay, so that's just not happening anymore. But still, I guess we can go in depth as much as you guys want, but maybe give me the you know 60-second version right away just to set listeners up for kind of what to expect from this class, if that's possible to do well, that. It, this class isn't headlined by like a five-star like Daxton Hill or Chris Hinton or like the Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's it's more of a, it's a deep class, but I mean, there's only one guy ranked in the top 100 nationally. But I was on the teleconference with the national recruiting director from ESPN yesterday, and he was mentioning Todd Lugnell. And he was saying, like, yeah, there's, they kind of had more of a goal in mind during this recruiting class to kind of fit that speed and space offense on the offensive side of the ball. Both their receivers, A.J. Henning, Roman Wilson, are six feet and under, um, but they're more like those speed, twitchy guys, jittery bug type of guys that, hey, they can take it to the house on a five-yard slant and run 80 yards and, and score, where Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Tariq Black are more of those possession receivers, 50-50 ball guys. Can, um, I, can I jump in here real quick? Yeah. That's you, what we've kind of seen the last few years. I mean, keep in mind, you mentioned Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins, and uh, we're waiting to see what happens with them. But the guys behind them already in the roster fit that that mold. Giles Jacks, Mike Sanders still, uh, Ronnie Bell to some degree. They're, they're a little shorter, but they're more athletic and they're, they're quick. This seems to be the direction Michigan's recruiting is going with with the receivers and yeah like i mean a lot of the guys not not five star or, or high four stars but they do rank in the top 10 15 at their position in their respective positions nationally so i mean it, it is a pretty deep class i mean if you want to compare it to ohio state which i mean every year people like to do doesn't really match up that well just because ohio state has bringing in a few five stars but there could be some some gems in this class i mean Running back, Blake Corum had a remarkable season for uh, St. Francis Academy in, in Baltimore, Maryland. He's a guy that maybe could be elevated to a higher star level before the final rankings, but he, he's a guy to keep an eye on. 
119 overall, four star kid. He's short, but he's speedy. He's got good, he's got good talent. Right. The biggest in-state recruit is Braden McGregor from Port Huron Northern, defensive end. Who kind of unfortunately he, he tore tore his ACL this year. We'll see how healthy he is next year. But I mean, he's a guy with a very high ceiling. Uh, he's ranked fourth nationally at the strong side defensive end position. A couple New Jersey safeties and Jordan Morant and R.J. Moten. I wrote about Moen earlier this year. He's a baseball and football kid, very athletic, and can play defense or offense at the college level as well. So it will be an interesting name to keep an eye on. Michigan got those commitments before Greg Schiano came in and scooped him up. That was the key, <laughs> yeah. getting in early. Very, very true. And then a couple more in-state four-star guys in the cornerback, Andre Selden, where I will be tomorrow for his signing day at Belleville High School. He's been committed for a while. Too, yes, he was yeah. their first, first 2020 commit. So, I mean, they kind of – started building around him they just added a, a new commit in the 2020 class in four-star defensive end Jalen Harrell from Florida so I mean there's a lot of defensive ends in this class no defensive tackles which is kind of surprising because I think that is one of their biggest needs especially I mean with Carlo Kemp probably probably leaving after this year and then not really having much depth behind there on um, the season if there was one big glaring I'm uh, not glaring hole but maybe a weakness yeah. on the defense this year is there wasn't really uh, much Death behind uh, Carlo Kemp at the in the inside defensive line. So Michigan only has one top 100 player. Yes, correct. You know that, that you're expecting to sign. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Ohio State has more than that. Yes, they, that? yeah, they, I mean they have two five stars, eight players in the top 100. So. Right. So <laughs> for those, I'm just saying, you know, I know a lot of Michigan fans are going to listen to this and, and you know read the coverage uh, this week and say, okay, what we saw, you know, several Saturdays ago indicated a talent gap that, that is only widening if based on these recruiting rankings. I will counter just right away and then I'll, I'll let see what you guys have to say by saying you can recruit to your system, develop that talent and have a chance really, you know, against anyone. Sure. And, and that's, I think, what Michigan is aiming to do is actually here's here's what our philosophy is going to be. We're going to recruit to that. That's kind of what, like, Ronnie Bell is a perfect uh, circumstance there with, with what he's been able to do as a really low-rated recruit. But That's exactly what I was going to bring up. I mean, Michigan can get away with recruiting this way and bringing in, you know, several four-star guys mm-hmm. and kind of flying under the radar with some of these guys. But you've got to be able to develop them. You've got to develop more than you miss on. I mean, Michigan's been more – It's they've been teetering that line sure. in the last few years. You know, they've developed some some really good players. You mentioned Ronnie Bell is a perfect example. But they've missed on some guys. They've had a lot of guys transfer out. To try and close that gap with Ohio State, I do think they've got to put together several of these type of recruiting classes, maintain these kids, keep these kids, and then develop. And you know, obviously, several of these guys won't really make an impact for another year or two, so the jury is out. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned the gap. There is one. We'll see if it makes a difference here in a couple of years. Well, what is interesting to me is, I mean, four of those players that are ranked in the top 100 are receivers for Ohio State. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they seem to reload at the position every single year. One of them is uh, the number two overall ranked player in the entire country. And he's actually a teammate of Michigan commit running back Gage Garcia, too. So, kind of interesting tie in there. But, yeah, it is a very talented class for uh, Ryan Day and, and the Buckeyes. Speaking of Ohio State, they're also in the running for quarterback that yes. Michigan is trying to get as well. It's basically will come down to Michigan or Ohio State for four-star quarterback C.J. Stroud from California. He's the highest-ranked, highest-ranked quarterback that is not committed yet. He will commit and sign on Wednesday. So it's pretty much come down to uh, Ohio State and Michigan right now. Everything I've been been reading, I talked to his coach a couple weeks ago, too, and he did, was kind of hands-off in his recruitment. He's a kid that doesn't like to do interviews, um, likes to keep everything kind of to himself. 
but he just visited Ohio State this past weekend after visiting Michigan the previous weekend. In my eyes, it sounds like Ohio State is the front runner at this point, but Ohio State already does have a, a quarterback commit in that class. Michigan does not. J.D. Johnson will get his scholarship honored, but he is sure. medically ineligible to play football any longer. So it's a, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's important to point out that Michigan did have a quarterback committed, J.D. Johnson. He can't play. So Michigan jumped in late on C.J. Stroud. Ohio State's been recruiting him a little bit longer. I don't know the timeline, yeah. but they've been after him for a while. So I would presume that gives them the advantage at this point, like you said. But And it know. is interesting. They, Michigan has gone after him very hard. They visited him twice in California. They've had him here on campus a couple of weeks ago. I mean, so he's a guy they really, really want. And with no other quarterback in competition and during this class, that could maybe put the Wolverines over the top. But we'll see. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh in the stat, you mentioned that they were, they were out they went out to Rancho Cucamonga twice to look at him. Not only I know Jim you, Har- love, I know you I, love that. I, school, I just wanted right? to say Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, he brought Josh Gass with him. I think Ben McDaniels went out there as well. It was all hands on deck recruiting CJ Stroud. I, I think part of it obviously won our quarterback in the class. But when you look at Stroud's tape, he, he's a pretty talented kid. He's got a good arm. He, he moves well. It, it almost seems like he doesn't jive with the type of offense they're trying to run. But the same token, it almost he's a, he's a good pocket passer. He kind of fits the type of mold of a quarterback that you would expect to play under Jim Harbaugh. But he's making his announcement Wednesday, right? Wednesday, Tomorrow? yeah. Okay. So 9.30 a.m. Pacific time, so 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. So Cool. Yeah. I mean, the, listen, these star rankings, they, they matter. I mean – Yes, going down the line, not not every player ranked in front of another means they're they're going to be more productive or better or anything like that. But you know, more generally speaking, you look at the teams that are better in college football, the players that become All Americans, become top NFL draft picks. There is a correlation, a strong correlation, if not you know a direct one to one. These are the top four in twenty twenty: Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State. Three of those teams are playing in the college football playoff. One's Alabama, who's played in every single college football playoff besides this year. So and, sure. and could have as many as like seven first round draft picks this year in the exactly. NFL. Exactly. Yeah. So so they matter. But the flip side of that is again, you can make a guy kind of a, a five star for you. You know, as far as production, like again, some of these players, are, you know, how do you how do you determine? Okay, this lineman is, is better than another. Well, it kind of depends what system you run. If you're in a spread offense and you you want a guy more mobile, then that guy can be better for you. But Michigan is kind of in between a little bit, two philosophies, especially offensively, but defensively too, honestly, if they, as they've shifted a, a bit, you know, this this past year. Yeah, they're kind of between those two in recruiting too. So mm-hmm. you got to kind of decide what, you know, what player you want to go after. Yeah. Focus on that and, and then, yeah, develop those guys. And that's where Ohio State and the little schools you mentioned, like Alabama, they have the upper hand because they, for so long, these schools have had so much stability with mm-hmm. the coaching staffs and, and they're they're constantly winning, so they haven't had to change much. Mm-hmm. Now, Michigan's won 200 Jim Harbaugh, but they haven't gotten there. And so Jim has felt the need to change things up to try and get to that next level. But when you change things up, you mentioned it changes your recruiting philosophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You go after different different kids, and in a way, it, it, affects, it hampers you at times. So it, you mentioned they're in between, they're very, that's, that's very true. And you mentioned it with, with Lukenville at ESPN. You know, they think that this class very much follows the speed and space philosophy they're taking on offense. Um, and, and Michigan, like I said, Michigan needs several of these recruiting classes, you know, back to back, keep these kids in the school and then develop them. And, you, and then you'll see the results. Ludenville did mention one big advantage for Michigan in this class is out of their 25 commits, most of them are going to be signing during this early signing period, which gives them a leg up on the 2021 class as well. I mean, there are only two that are kind of question marks right now are uh, Nick Patterson, Shea Patterson, 
Madison's brother. Uh, he's a, a tight, a three-star tight end, lowly ranked three-star tight end from Texas. Uh, I'm kind of reading like there's not much of a fit there, and I mean he's kind of been looking elsewhere, so he might hold off and see if there's a better fit. And then uh, a three-star offensive lineman, uh, Micah Mazuka, also from St. Francis Academy. It looks like he's, he's having a little bit of grade troubles at this point, so I'm not sure if he'll be signing during this early period or not. But other than that, I mean, it's looking like most of these guys will be signing early. So there's not going to be many more spots available for the traditional period in a few months. But it also means the coaching staff can go out there earlier on the 2021 class. It also gives these kids the option of enrolling early. That's been such a uh, – the Michigan coaching staff have, have been pushing the last – especially the last few years, there's been extra emphasis on getting these kids into school in January as opposed to over the summer. It allows them to start school earlier. It gets them in the program, the weight training program, allows them to start practicing with the team gives them in a way a leg up because we've seen time and time again most of the kids most of the freshmen we see on the field early on are kids that were typically early enrollees um, not not every case Daxon Hill's obviously an, an example there who wasn't but it gets these kids in, in early gets them ahead of the game so to speak and it gets them on the field quicker sure so I, I think Ryan you may have just sort of answered the, the question that I was going to maybe pose as a kind of the last thing here on, on signing day before we move on but it's what are the names to watch as potentially uncommitted who could commit to Michigan guy you know guys on the fence it sounds like we got Stroud as an uncommitted guy who uh-huh. obviously huge swing one way or the other and then you mentioned Patterson and Mazuka as guys who are committed but might not end up signing yeah, I mean, is that is that kind of covered? so? Yeah, I mean, there there could be uh, there is some room for a, a few more commits. Uh, right now, they are looking for another offensive lineman, um, regardless of what happens with Mizuka. So they okay. kind of have a few offers offers there as well. Uh, three star from Virginia, although he he would sign during the traditional period. James Podlerick. and the traditional period is in February, February so it yes, would be a couple right. more months, right? So. And there's a, a few a few other like three star offensive lineman. They missed out on a big four star uh, from Colorado who, who decided to do to not choose Michigan who they were kind of going after hard but he was going to uh, go on a two-year mission trip for his religion as well so that, that wouldn't really help them in the next couple of years anyways um, but the biggest one right now is cornerback Darian Green Warren from California who's actually really good friends with CJ Stroud but he will not be signing until the traditional period either he will announce his commitment after the U.S. Army All-American game on January 4th All so right. That's the, that's the big one. To, he's a four-star corner, uh, would be immediately one of Mission's top commits in this class. So that would be a big get for them if they're able to. But other than that, I mean, it's this is pretty much wrapped up. Yeah, they've got, I think, 25 guys committed. So the, I, I don't know what their scholarship count is at this point. We don't, we're, we're not really privy to that info. But I, I would be... And I would be surprised if they're able to take more than maybe one or a couple more right. space-wise. And that is so, I mean, it will technically be 24 players because J.D. Johnson is not eligible to play anymore. But they are still honoring his football scholarship, so he will still be getting a, a – it will count against the scholarship allotment next year. Gotcha. All right. Well, stay tuned for real-time coverage of signing day, signing week, really, on MLive.com. Let's move on to basketball, if that's all right. Let's do it. Yeah, Michigan lost to, to Oregon in their most recent timeout. And now we're in this, you know, sort of holiday finals period where, you know, you've got a week between games. You know, next one, not till Saturday against Presbyterian. Then the following Sunday against UMass Lowell. And then you get back into Big Ten play. So Michigan with two uh, sort of cupcakes, you know, to, to wrap up the non-conference 
yeah, the Oregon one was it was there. You know, when you lose by one in overtime and you have the ball last, like that's tough. That's going to sting. You know, that, that's going to be a great win for Oregon, I would think. You know, at the at the end of the year, and you know, one that Michigan would have liked to have had. Uh, still kind of getting a feel for Jawan Howard. You know, as he kind of deals with us, us being the, the media. So far, he seems to be a, a coach that's. Forget even saying throwing the players under the bus. I mean, he doesn't even there's, – there's very, like, little criticism that I've heard, like, uh, at all um, to the point where it's like, does he really feel this way? He's got to be more critical of the guys behind closed doors. Sure. He, he's talking about, you know, the defense on, you know, a couple guys in particular, you know, early in that game against Oregon. You know, they had a guy, Mathis, who just who just got loose for several threes, and he's just saying, oh, I loved our defense on him. And, you know, guy it, shoots six threes on you in a half. I mean, yeah, that's, that's bad. I mean, he was um, somewhere – deep some were contested i guess but still you know they lost him a couple times too and then and then late you know pritchard sort of took over at the point guard spot and you know again oh loved it we made it we made him work for it all and, and all that it's like well he, he went to work though uh you know 23 points yeah 11 of 18 from from two point range for him so yeah it, it was interesting but you know michigan was still still right in it obviously you know overcame a 16 point deficit in the first half and it was double digits even you know into the second half and they uh yeah they came back obviously forced overtime and you know had, had a chance right there at the end but it was um, a really good game i watched both yeah and it was like especially the end of it, it the, the start yeah. was slow and like right. the whole teams were i mean michigan looks like they were michigan like sleepwalking. anything <laughs> yeah. right but the game turned into a really good back and forth i thought second half was really mm-hmm. really good basketball yeah i don't know how those stoppages played out on tv like there were a lot yeah, yeah and, the, and the replay review and stuff like that I I find them at times now helpful as the writer when you're writing some quick it gives you time to take a breath and kind of assess what's what's going on here and and get some words down um but but yeah it's it's kind of I mean, this has been a complaint against college basketball for years now, these extended replay reviews. But, yeah, you know, we, we were just talking about football kind of adapting to their new style. Um, you know, Michigan is still is, is doing that to a certain extent, too. And there, there are some some growing pains as they try to figure things out. You know, John Teske was on was on the bench for, you know, a long, long stretch in that Oregon game, including, you know, at the end um, as Michigan went kind of with the smaller lineup with Brandon Johns. But, yeah, you know, they continue to to kind of put the ball in Xavier Simpson's hands and, and use ball screens and trying to work out of that. So for, for a matchup that was kind of heralded between two big time point guards, I, I think Pritchard got the best of Simpson on, on Saturday, in my opinion. I think that's, that's fair to say. I mean, absolutely. Pritchard, he certainly, yeah, came up big down the stretch and, and continued to just kind of go one-on-one and, and, and get to the basket. You wonder if not having Teske in there as a kind of rim protector at the end, you know, hurt them there. But I think that's safe to say, you know, 23 points, as I mentioned, Simpson had eight. He, had, he did have the 11 assists, but yeah, Michigan, uh, just a, a really, a really rough start. You know, they, like I said, they got back into it, but it wasn't really enough. So I don't know. Yeah, well, two straight losses now. Like what's, I mean, is it two straight losses? I mean, you know, a week to ponder and think about those losses too. I mean, obviously they shouldn't have any issues with their next two games, but correct. I um, think it's, you know, it's a good time to kind of, yeah, get, get your confidence back up. Cause then when you open big 10 play, it's a, it's a road trip to, to East Lansing right away. So I think it's good timing to play these teams and hopefully, you know, for that, their sake shots will, will fall and kind of get back on track. But at the East Lansing during Big Ten play where a home team still has not lost during Big Ten play. That is, is correct. That's, oh, uh, that's wild. 13, that I believe it is, or 14 to start. You know, Michigan State will be the uh, – we'll get the next crack at it, I believe. I don't think there's a Big Ten game tonight, Tuesday. So I think it's I think it's Wednesday as Michigan State's at Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, if, if that one goes the other way, then it's like, <laughs> all right, let's go, what's going on here? Um, but, yeah, it's been uh, – been interesting and i listen i talk about this on the pod a lot for both basketball and football 
how hard it is to win on a road on the road, how much, you know, we value those road wins. But still, when it gets to be, be like this, I mean, some of these teams are, you know, the, the odds makers adjust for that home road. They, they know they know what's up there. And yet you've had teams that have been, you know, in some cases, double digit favorites. Purdue certainly was against who did they lose to on the road just the other day was in Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, and they go out and lose by, by 14. Iowa State, you know, I think seven, eight point favorite against Minnesota. They lose. So it's going to be pretty interesting there. But uh, look out for these just uh, next two games for Michigan is a chance to kind of yeah, get, get back on track. Back, yeah. um, and then, you know, kind of swinging back to football. And Michigan's actual game to be played to, to wrap up the, the season is against Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. We talked about it last time on the pod, and we said we were, to a certain extent, speculating about how Michigan felt because we hadn't mm-hmm. actually had the opportunity to talk to any of the players. Now you have, and kind of what we were saying or thinking about, hey, Alabama, primetime opponent, you know, major opponent, this is a chance to, uh, you know, make some noise and end the season on the right note. Uh, we were correct. That's kind of what they were saying. Yeah, I get the vibe that, that the players are a little more excited to play in this game than they were last year, the Peach mm-hmm. Bowl against Florida, which is ironic because this game isn't considered as as more of a marquee game, um, but is near as day. It is Alabama, and I think that seems to be the selling point for these players at this point. You know, we, we talked to four guys on Sunday night at Chrysler after their postseason awards event, Chip Patterson being one. Um, it, it sounds like, it, as far as we know at this point, that the players we spoke to all intend to play, them being Chip Patterson, Bren Bredesen, Jordan Glasgow, and a Miss Quiddy Pay. Mm-hmm. Um, they all tend to play. Several of them, their eligibility is expected to be expiring here. And we asked them about their teammates, and they all said that we haven't heard of anyone that doesn't plan to play. Um, that, now, it doesn't mean there won't be guys to sit out. Sure. Because keep in mind, I went back and looked even last year. Cron Hing didn't announce until, I think, nine days before the Peach Bowl. We found out about Juwan Bush Bay the week up. So, guys, I mean, they could go through these practices, and they were on practice number three as of Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, they could go through these practices and decide, you know, maybe they're banged up maybe they get hurt maybe they decide they just don't want to but right now it sounds like most of Michigan's team is going to play and they're excited for it you know several of the players spoke of the opportunity that playing Alabama presents I mean I think we we hit on this last week on the podcast that put good play on tape against Alabama will do wonders for your draft stock in fact all these guys at this point are not first round or potential first round picks so there is room to grow there um, and that's I think what this game is they what they think this game could do for them right. whereas Alabama already has 10 projected first round picks so and there's not as much incentive for them to play in this game as well. Yeah, and they, and they're, right. coming, they're coming off like four straight appearances in college football playoff. Correct. They've now they're everyone. not playing in that. Now so it's not. like, you know, what's... And, and they, they do have, we do know for sure. There are two guys that are opting out, yep. two Alabama players who say they're not going to play two healthy players, I should right, point out, exactly. outside linebacker Terrell Lewis, cornerback Trayvon Diggs, and they both said they're, they're sitting out the game and they're going to prepare for the NFL draft. Um, it sounds like Alabama also has a starter defensive tackle, DJ Dale. He's doubtful. Now he's injured. Right. So Yeah, those are the two that are, that are just opting out in addition to, yeah, correct. at least a couple other guys who, who, are, who are injured. Correct. Are, so not starters, yeah, yeah, Tula's not going to play, it sounds like. Obviously, he's hurt. Mm-hmm. So Alabama's going to be without a few guys. But they've got several other guys on both sides of the ball that are just as fun. Former four and five star recruits. <laughs> yeah, so they'll be loaded just just as great. So this is this, is a, this should be a good game. I mean, it, it, as long as both teams are at relative full strength, 
Um, you know, I think it should be it should be a fun matchup. It could turn out to be a lopsided game. I don't know, but as as long as both teams are close to full strength, I think it could be could be a fun one. Yeah, these bowl games. I mean, they are kind of exhibitions in a way, and this yeah. is what I was getting at last week. Like, it's a good situation for Michigan to then be playing Alabama. I mean, and the players kind of spoke to that. The whole New Year's Six thing that you alluded to with Florida. I mean, that's fun. I, I, I just don't think the players even necessarily know what that is. No. They care about where you're going for the bowl and then who you're playing. I guess there's always been some maybe cachet with playing like later, you know, closer mm-hmm. to New Year's. But basically, yeah, it's about where you're going and then yeah, who, who you're playing. That's it's funny you bring that up. If you're not in the playoffs. You're absolutely right because we, we talked to Quiddy Pay after, on Sunday night and I think uh, Glasgow said the same thing. But it sounds like a majority of the players were rooting for, actively rooting to go to San Diego. Yeah. And I think because of the location, they haven't been to California in a long time, the program itself. But Quiddy Pay pointed this out that when they found out they're going to Citrus Bowl to play Alabama, they're like, all right, this is fine. It's, it's a nice consolation that, that, you know, they get to play Alabama and, and put their play on tape. I um, mean, it sounds like behind the scenes, the Michigan coaching staff has been pushing that narrative as well. Um, Quiddy Pay mentioned on Sunday that last week, I believe, strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert was calling this a money game for some of these guys, you know, alluding to the potential, like I mentioned earlier, the draft stock rising and the ability to, uh, okay, you know, yeah. to increase their, their play, you know, mm-hmm. to put, again, put that play on tape for draft scouts and increase their, increase their stock. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of a couple of years ago, uh, NCAA tournament selection show, uh, you know, covering that with, with Michigan, where they'd go. And yeah, they ended up, you know, in Wichita. And we were asking some of the players, the main kind of theme that day was whether they felt snubbed that they didn't get Detroit, you know, as the local host. They're like, yeah, no, we were hoping for San Diego. Like that was where we were hoping to go out to California. Actually, like some some did did admit that. But, you know, Wichita school. Now, obviously, they, they ended up winning yeah. and getting to California anyway um, yeah. in, the, in the next round. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's about. So yeah, another trip to Florida. But again, the opponent is... Uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it's big, so absolutely. So they feel that they can. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, is it enough to swing things in favor of Michigan? You know, still too early to say as we, we, we await, you know, again, who actually will sit out, but certainly gives Michigan a better chance to be facing a, you know, Alabama team without a couple of starters. But. Especially in defense. I mean, we, I think we talked about this last week, but Michigan's offense has, as long as they bring, you know, they play everyone or play most of their players, that, you know, they have an opportunity. They can score some points. They'll, they'll be able to move the football and should be able to score in Alabama. Now it's going to be whether this defense can hold Alabama's offense in check, especially the secondary. That's that going to be the, and we can, we're going to get into this as, as we get closer to the bowl game and I'll write stuff for MLive.com, but I think the matchups to watch assuming these guys do play, is going to be Alabama's receivers against Michigan's mm-hmm. secondary. Mm-hmm. You've got some some potential first-round picks there in Alabama's receiver core, and then you've got Lavert Hill, sides, a potential yeah. day-two pick probably there in the, at the cornerback. Um, you've got some talented guys that are going to go one-on-one there. All right. Well, it won't be long before, uh, yeah, you guys have boots on the ground in uh, – or sand flip-flops on the ground, I guess, in, uh, in Florida, uh, providing coverage. There are beaches of in Orlando, Andrew. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and, yeah, we'll have coverage of, you know, basketball team, even though there's not too many games. I still expect coverage uh, throughout the week. Um, and, of course, signing day coverage, as I mentioned. So thanks for listening.